on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Radio City. Here's Greg Metzik. Brandon Woodruff tosses six and a third. Strong innings. Josh Hader strikes out the side in the ninth. The Brewers get enough timely hitting and outlast the Boston Red Sox. 4-1 the final. Entertaining night of baseball at Fenway Park. An iconic venue for the Brewers and Red Sox tonight. Welcome in. It is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. I'm Greg Matzik. We'll go to about 11 o'clock tonight and uh, we'll be happy to hear from you this fine Friday evening at... 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Lots to get to here on the program. We will hear from Brewers Manager Craig Council. We'll dissect the start from Brandon Woodruff. We'll tap into the excellence that is Devin Williams and what the Brewers are getting from Christian Yelich at the leadoff spot in this order. Uh, it's been nothing short of remarkable. Quite a turnaround for Yelich since moving into that role in early June. Jerry Augustine will join us as well. We hope you do the same at 855-616-1620. Brewers have won six of seven since the break with tonight's 4-1 win over the Boston. We will get to it all coming up right after this on WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Ready to work, Brandon Woodruff. His one-two pitch struck him out. That time with a changeup. Three straight strikeouts going back to the fifth inning. Punch out number nine for Woodruff. Six and a third innings from Brandon Woodruff. Nine strikeouts, four hits, one earned run allowed, a couple of walks. At a time, he retired 13 Red Sox in a row in the Brewers' 4-1 win. No runs scored in this game until the sixth inning. And the Brewers, in matter of fact, doubled their run output with two runs in the ninth. Key insurance runs. Josh Hader closes things out. Just enough offense. Outstanding pitching tonight as the Brewers earn the win. It's Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. I'm Greg Matzik. Happy to be joined by former Brewer Jerry Augustine, who joins us on the line right now. I argue it was a very interesting start for Brandon Woodruff in command and on cruise control, and, and this has sort of been on repeat for Woodruff since he's come off the injured list. That ERA has come down over a full run. Changeup was on point, breaking ball on point tonight. He had total command. Yeah, he sure did. You know, you talk about Brandon early in the season. We go to the beginning of the season where he had that struggle outing against the Cubs, but he'd been working on things. We I saw an outing where he went against Cincinnati, worked hard on his changeup, and now has really started since he's come off the uh, IL is really putting it together. We talk about we always talk about about Corbin Burns how he has a, that great cutter, the slider, and that curveball to match to, to match what he wants to throw. Well, when you look at what Brandon Brandon Woodruff has come up with. He's got that good four-seam power fastball that he can locate all over the strike zone, but he's come up with that two-seam sinking fastball that's down in his zone. is very, very tough to lay off of, and then now he's got that changeup to go with it. So you're talking about three pitches, quality pitches that he has great command of. Tonight he had great command of it. Then he threw in a couple sliders and breaking balls. Uh, I tell you what, this is as good as I've seen Brandon Woodruff pitch the ball. You know, and it's not a small sample size here, Augie, since he's come off the injured list. We're talking about 35 innings now with an ERA barely over two. The strikeout-to-walk ratio is obscene here, 48 strikeouts, just 11 walks. I'm sure if you asked him, he would want to have that 0-2 changeup back that uh, allowed for uh, the only run of the game to be scored by the Red Sox tonight. But really, I mean, that's splitting hairs. I mean, you're talking about a darn near perfect night. And he got into the seventh inning. That, that was kind of uncharted territory for Brandon Woodruff so far this season. 
on a little over 100 pitches. I, I'm not sure what else you could ask for out of the guy. He's giving you absolutely everything you need. And when you talk about pairing him with Burns uh, and, and just the thought of them in the postseason, th- this is why the Brewers will be a tough out regardless of where the offense is. Well, you like what they bring to the table, you know, and I just talked about Corbin Burns, how he's got that, that great cutter, and then he throws a slider a little bit off speed, and then he, he's got the curveball, then he can locate along with his fastball. But when you talk about, about Brandon, I think what Brandon came into this year is he wanted to take his, his starting rotation or he wanted to take his pitching just a step further and and he's done that and he's done it with with that good two-seam fastball that has been able to locate down in the zone and I think the biggest thing with Brandon he commands the strike zone with it you see him tonight he was throwing the ball to both sides of the plate he was elevating the fastball when he wanted to throwing a change up down and then when he got ahead he used his breaking ball and his slider and it was very very effective but you get that way by commanding the strike zone and getting ahead I thought Brandon threw the ball very well tonight yeah a couple of two out doubles allowed in the six really the only blemishes on Woodruff's line one of those uh, came around to score but otherwise six and a third four hits one earned run allowed nine strikeouts two walks for Woodruff tonight he picks up the win Devin Williams another hold for him another save for Josh Hader um, I, you know it was an interesting night for Hader too and I, I'm sure we'll get into this more Augie you know on, on one hand he struck out the side right and that that shows up in the box score as much as anything on the other hand, he took three guys to 3-0 count. So it, it, it's like you, you get frustrated that he takes a guy to a 3-0 count, and then you're amazed that he's able to fight all the way back and just blow these hitters away. It's just <laughs> just kind of his July in a microcosm right there, right? Some struggles, but then he figures it out and shows his unhittable stuff. Well, that's you know that's his style of pitching. You know, he goes out there and he just knows that if he commands his commands his pitches, he's going to be fine. And he has struggled a little bit lately. When you look over what he did right before the All Star break, and now he struggled a little bit with command. And I think sometimes that pitchers get out and they go through a a, a time of the season where they say, "Well, I just don't. I'm not sharp. I'm not locating the ball where I want to." But with Josh Hader, what he does, he just keeps continuously going after the hitters. He tries to locate the ball. But I think I think we're we're seeing out of Josh just a little bit rushing I thought tonight I saw him jumping out a little bit his arm dragging and that causes the ball to go up and out of the zone or inside out of the zone where you overthrow it and I think what he's going to do is each and every time out he's just going to find himself but he battles he throws he goes right after you today it shows the three strikeouts but would you say is he happy with his performance the way he went I think he would like to throw that this fastball more in the strike zone in good locations and then use that great slider he has. Yeah, a couple of insurance run in the ninth uh, take away some of the drama for Hader's appearance. Devin Williams outstanding as well, navigated uh, some choppy waters, but really uh, choppy for Devin Williams is uh, probably kind of a, a feel-good day for others. We're talking about 27 and two-thirds scoreless innings now for Devin Williams. Pretty amazing stuff for the back end of the Brewers' bullpen. We'll detail the night here for the Brewers' offense. We'll also talk a little bit about the trade deadline. The team is in Boston. David Stearns remains in Milwaukee as the team tries to piece together ways to maybe fortify this roster in the next week or so. Trade deadline hits the, the early evening of August 2nd. Highlights, Craig Council, and you coming up on the other side at 855-616-1620. Join us for Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. One for three tonight. And a line drive into left field. Base hit Christian Yelich. Brewers lead it 2-1. to Yelich drives in his 35th. And how about that for a little two-out rally for the crew? 
Yeah, it came at a right time here. First run of the game scored as uh, Christian Yelich delivers with an RBI single, now hitting 296 as a leadoff hitter. Boy, that average has really moved up here. June 8th was day number one of Christian Yelich in the leadoff spot. At the time he was hitting 224, he is now up to 257. It is working with Christian Yelich atop the Brewers lineup. Key in tonight's win, 4-1 the final over the Boston Red Sox. 855-616-1620 if you'd like to join us here on the program. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Before we get to the text line here, Augie, I, I have to ask because, you know, in, in covering so many Green Bay Packers games, going down to Wrigley, watching Brewers and Cubs games, and going to some of these iconic venues in sports, is there anything to Fenway for athletes? Like when you pitch there, is there a, a sort of a mystique about about the park itself? I mean, sure, it looks cool on TV, but do the players feel that kind of stuff? You said iconic venue, and that's exactly what it is. You know, you walk into the ballpark, and once you walk out onto the field and you see the big green monster, it's just it's just really special. The 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 fans when they're sitting in the stands, and when the game is going on there, all the fans are into it, and it's just a it's just a real fun place to to go and have the opportunity to play in. And I know I've got to, I got to play a lot of games in it. And you know, the one thing you you always talked about you always talk about Fenway Park is the green monster and how many home runs are going to be hit. There's going to be high-scoring games, and, and tonight we saw a game that, that was not a high-scoring game, and those things do happen there. Uh, I do remember I started a, a four-game series against the Red Sox in Boston, and I went into the eighth inning. I had a 15-1 to lead going down into the eighth. When I walked off the mound after the end of the eighth, it was 15-8. to That's how fast <laughs> runs can be scored. I walked off, and Alec walked into the uh, dugout, and Alex looked at me, and he said, there ain't no way I'm taking you out of this game. You gotta finish it. And I ended up winning fifteen to eight. But it's a it's a, a ballpark where it just seems like like it, runs can be scored very easily. It, there's games when you have low scoring games, but the mystique of going and playing there, it's just it's just very, very special. Well, it's not easy to get Jim Rice out, right? Cut you some slack. It, well, there's a lot of guys I didn't get out in that eighth inning. There was, balls were hitting, uh, flying out of there pretty good. But uh, I pitched there many times. I had some really good ball games there, pitched in relief there. But you know, it's the when you go out and you stand in the field and you and you think about the pesky pole down the right field line and all the great players of Babe Ruth and everybody else that played there. I played, got to play against Carl Yastrzemski and all those great players. And you know, it's it's really a special place. And uh, uh, you know, when you when when you say Boston Red Sox, uh, you look at them and you think about first thing you think about is Fenway Park. Well, I want to talk about the pitching a little bit here. and got an interesting nugget here on the text line. Hey, Greg, let's see what happens with the three, four, and five starters now. They have to pick it up. I don't think Burns and Woodruff can do this every time out. They have to be at least three, have three pitchers going good. And I think this from Doug out uh, in the Baraboo area. So I, I think this is more, you know, talking about the postseason and once the Brewers get into a playoff series. Burns, Woodruff, put him at the top of your rotation, no doubt about that. You know, I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens here with the likes of Aaron Ashby. It was a little hot and cold. Eric Lauer, kind of the same way, and he's battled through a few things so far this season. Uh, Adrian Hauser has been, been a little more cold than hot. Uh, they've had to experiment bringing in Ethan Small and Jason Alexander. And, and those guys really aren't going to factor into the postseason, but they could factor into what it looks like going into the postseason. But I guess the wild card in this whole thing to me is Freddie Peralta. We talk about trade deadline deals, and uh, of course he's already on your team and coming back, working way through injury. You don't have to trade for the player. 
But it, it feels to me like Freddie Peralta becomes kind of a wild card here for the Brewers when you talk about really bolstering that pitching staff going into any playoff series. How do you see him fitting back into this rotation? Does it does it just sort of click and, okay, get his pitch cut up to 75 in the minor leagues and, and, and let him go? How do you treat this? Well, I, you know, tonight he had a second uh, start in the minors, and he pitched, uh, I think he threw 57 pitches and threw the ball very well. I think the one thing we th- we think about is Freddie's probably coming back a little bit sooner than we thought. We thought probably mid-August to, late, to September that he'd be coming back. But getting the getting the starts now where he can go and start working on his stuff, when Freddie Feralto's healthy and he's got great command of his pitches now, we see him go now, he's got the, that good slider, he's got the, the fastball that's just dynamic that he can throw it with different styles he can he can run the ball in real well he can sink it he can do all these things with his fastball a little bit of a change up and he and he's got that curveball I think right now for him to be with the stage that he's at is only going to be a huge positive for his poor ball club he's got a factor in he's one of those guys that goes out there consistently and pit throws the ball very well and I think he's going to play an extremely important part as we get into the mid-August early September He's going to be fresh. He's been off a little bit, but now he's been able to go and at coming off that injury and work at it. As you talk about Lauer and Ashby, I, I really like what Lauer has done. He's changed his delivery around. He's simplified his delivery. He's more consistent with his fastball. His fastball has a tendency to get on hitters a little bit. I Just a little bit to, at times, he has a little inconsistency with his breaking ball. But I think once he gets, when he settles in and he's got that breaking ball over the plate and his changeup over the plate, that fastball is dynamic. And I think he's going to be a, a big factor, too. And Aaron Ashby, uh, he's special. If he's on, he's one of the best. But the one thing we like about Aaron Ashby, he's already pitched out of the bullpen somewhat, and he can really help this team in a lot of different ways by starting or even coming in out of the bullpen. Yeah, so Peralta, three and a third innings pitched tonight. Three hits, five strikeouts, no earned runs, 52 pitches. And I guess that's the number I really pay attention to here uh, because he had 33 in his first rehab start. And you'd think that would be going north to 70, 75, maybe before he comes back uh, to the big league club. But, you know, when you talk about this collection of pitchers, you're talking about five guys that have the ability to strike out 10 batters in a given game, in a given outing. They've got so many pitchers who can just miss bats that are inserted into starting rotation right now. Uh, and, and I'm with Doug here. I think it's it's Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. And then you have a luxury, I think, with, with Ashby and Eric Lauer. Again, you, you, if they're on, they're on. And boy, are they tough to hit. But they become sort of your swing pitchers. Maybe you don't have to use Brent Suter so much. Maybe not Maybe it's not Trevor Gott that comes into a sixth-inning opportunity. Uh, you can leverage your starters as bullpen arms, and, and you, you really trust Craig, I guess, more than most managers in the league for how to manage that. I, I know there's a way to go here in the season, but it, it's hard to not see the trade deadline coming up here in just a couple of days, also recognizing where the Brewers are in the standings and trying to figure out, okay, just how much fortification does this roster need? Is it an arm? Is it a bat? If so, where? Left-handed stick, right? There's so many things that David Stearns has to be mulling over right now. He sure has. And, you know, when you talk about David Stearns and Matt Arnold, I think the one thing you – they look for people that are going to kind of – 
come in and, and it's not necessarily you're going to be able to go out and find that that big trade that you're going to be able to make. It doesn't happen too often at this time of the year. Every once in a while you see uh, those trades being made. I think there was a couple of, tra- a couple of trades been made already where I didn't think some guys would be traded. In the Soto, everybody's talking about Soto. But I think in a Brewers case, I think they're looking for a guy who can come in maybe from the right side of the right side. Maybe uh, be, be able to use, play a little bit of first base or third base or wherever. Be a little versatile in the outfield. But I think when you look in the in the pitching staff, I really like their pitching staff the way it is. I think picking up Jake McGee is huge. It just gives them that from the left side. It really gives them some real quality pitchers from the left side. And then you add a Lauer or an Ashby out there. It's pretty pretty a, a very good staff on that uh, left side in the bullpen. And on the right side, you know you can just go with you know with Williams and we got Box Boxberger throwing the ball. You got to make sure that you're stable on that right side, but. I think when you look at this Brewer Ball Club, Matt Arnold and David Stearns will go out, and if they feel there's someone out there that can help this ball club, and he's a, he's probably maybe a veteran or a guy who can come in and help him from that right side, especially swinging the bat a little bit, I, I think they will make a move. 855-616-1620. If you'd like to join us here, it's the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 4-1, the final. The Brewers pick up a win over the Boston Red Sox. First game on the road post-All-Star break, and the Brewers... Keep momentum rolling here into tomorrow's Game 2 where Aaron Ashby will make the start for the crew. We've got more with Augie and more with you coming up right after this. It's Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Fox looks back at second base. And the 3-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with another changeup. And that is a big second out here in the seventh inning. That dude doesn't sweat. Brad Boxberger digging out of a little bit of a jam in the seventh inning as the Brewers hold on for a 4-1 win over the Boston Red Sox. Game one of a three-game series at Fenway Park. Greg Matzik, Jerry Augustine with you. It's Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. All right, I found the game here, Augie, May 20th, 1977 at Fenway Park. It was a quick-moving game, 2 hours, 48 minutes, despite the final score being 15-7. to uh, You had a rather comfortable lead going into the eighth inning. Let's see here. It was 14-1. to and that's when the Red Sox came back. They scored five off you in the eighth. You went back out for the ninth. They scored one off you. Fifteen runs, 18 hits for the Brewers, seven runs, 10 hits for the Red Sox. You were grooving the eighth inning, just a little bit of a hiccup there. Just getting started. Uh, you know, in that ballpark, anything is possible. <laughs> the only thing I remember, Greg, about that is, yeah, we, we're going to be have a four-game series. We're in Boston, and it's going to be a long weekend. There could be a lot of a lot of runs scored. We get, we are, we're going to have to worry about our bullpen helping us out because it's a four-game series in three days. So when I walked off that field after that eighth inning and I, I walked down the first step, and Alex looked right at me and he said, you're not coming out. You got to finish this thing. So uh, I did go back out there, and we ended up winning the ball game. But you know, you're cruising 14 to one, throwing the ball very well, and all of a sudden you look up, like you just said, it's 14 to seven. It happens in a hurry in Fenway Park. <laughs> well, thankfully, uh, no such outburst tonight from the Red Sox as the Brewers are able to hold on. Let's uh, grab a phone call here. Doug and Baraboo joins us on Brewers Extra Innings. Greetings, Doug. Hey, good evening, uh, Greg and Augie. Uh, boy, 1977, uh, good stuff. Say, nice win tonight. Uh, Greg or, or Augie, I understand, you know, we're 6-1 and one since the All-Star break, and maybe I missed it, but uh, the players' meeting that they uh, heard, 
or that I uh, that I heard about. Do you have any insight on who spoke at that meeting or what may have been said? Yeah, I appreciate the phone call, Doug. You know, I, I always wonder about these players-only meetings that happen, and, and they happen in every sport, Augie, where they just say, okay, managers, coaches, whatever, we got this, and then your your team leaders sort of step up and there's a candid conversation about something, and sometimes it's, you know, in the midst of a losing streak or seizing the opportunity that is in front of them. I, did that occur much when you were playing? I, I feel like this is a thing that gets publicized, but nobody really knows what's being talked about behind closed doors. It does happen in, in in the '82 team, the when from '78 on to '82, and uh, with the success we had during those years, it was Ted Simmons. He was our leader, and if there's any time that he, he thought that there needed to be a meeting, it wasn't about the manager calling the meeting. It was it was Ted calling the meeting, and he didn't have you didn't have to say a lot. The veterans all stepped up; they all understood, and I think that's what it was with the Brewers. I know uh, McCutcheon's talked about we had a meeting, and he talked about we just sat down. And, we, and and just talked about what we need to do to be successful in the second half. We know the Brewers usually do play well in the second half. They've shown it over the last several years. But it's that leadership that you have. And uh, I think when you when you talk about Andrew McCutcheon right there, starting to, to say, hey, at the end of the first half, we struggled a little bit. Things weren't going as well as we wanted. We didn't finish like we did. Starting the second half, here's what we need to do. Getting guys focused on those little things. And it's really, really showing. You look at what this ball club offensively has done late in ball games they have given great at bats late in the ball game and it's really paid off there have been a variety of leaders who have come in and through the brewers system uh regardless of their performance on the field and i, I think that certainly helps the cause but i think about guys like mark kotze and latroy hawkins uh and even niger morgan who just had a, a, an interesting and different bounce to him curtis granderson is a great example from a couple of years ago jerry harrison jr was brought in on a, a trade deadline deal several years back you know andrew mccutcheon's not a trade deadline deal but you know, there's there's multiple reasons why you go and find a guy like that, Augie. Uh, and not only does he come up clutch, I think, on occasion, and the numbers aren't eye-popping. He's not an MVP player like he was with Pittsburgh. But there's real value in having that kind of player, uh, not only on the field, but but in the clubhouse. I'm just thinking through the roster, and, and he is the guy who sort of jumps off the page to me. If you're talking about a player who's going to talk and, and people are going to listen, he's probably the first name you come to. As you're looking through the Brewers roster, yeah, you you know you watch the way he style plays, and I really I really enjoy watching him. I, all these years we saw him with Pittsburgh, and then he went Philadelphia, and and, and coming back over uh, uh, now with us. I just like the way he plays the game. He plays the game with an attitude that I'm going to give everything I got when I'm on the field. And I think when he sees this ball club and the, the opportunity that he has with the this great pitching staff we have that defensively we're playing good solid defense right now that if we can step up on the offense side of the ball and do things that we need to do put the ball in play manufacture runs like they have been doing lately it's gonna this is what is needed and you get those veterans that see that it's not about the home run it's not about who uh going up and cheerleading all and saying yeah we got to do this we got to do that it's about taking that step back relaxing and saying hey let's everybody everybody just be a little bit better be conscious of what you can do to help this ball club win because there is no I in team but there is a me and anytime the me gets better the team gets better 
Yeah, I, tonight was not about the home run at all. Uh, really, for either team, as a matter of fact. So you get a collection of home runs on the home stand. You power your way to a handful of victories. And tonight, really more about you know a double here and a single there, a sack flies here, just able to... I guess, come up with a timely at-bat, not even a timely hit in every circumstance, but a timely at-bat, a quality and productive plate appearance. Uh, that's why you put the ball in play, Augie, right? I mean, you look at the end of the day here, and if you've got four runs on the board, boy, you, if, if the balls are missing bats, those opportunities just fall by the wayside. Felt like that was happening more often to the Brewers earlier this year, maybe than it is now. They've caught a bit of a groove here offensively. You like to see it. But productive at-bats, they're getting more of that, it seems, now than they were earlier this season. You know, Greg, I think you hit it perfectly on the head. When we look at this ball club that has started off the second half of the season here, uh, what they say after the All-Star break, is go up and get a real good at-bat. Give positive at-bats. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing it up and down the lineup. You know, you you look at what this lineup did tonight. The bottom three in the lineup all scored a run. And then what happened? Now you've got Yelly, who's swinging the bat very well, Adamas swinging the bat well. Well, they they just took over. They got a couple RBIs. but it's some nights it's those guys. Other times it's the middle of the lineup with with Rowdy and and Renfro and Urias. What we've seen the last homestand. So it's about the not going out and just going up to the plate and trying to be positive. It's giving that good productive at bats. And I think you hit it right on the head. The Brewers are having very good productive at bats, especially later on in the game. All right, Augie, back again tomorrow and Sunday. We get a full weekend of Augie here on Brewers Extra Innings. Going to be fun. I'll tell you, anytime you go, it's fun. <laughs> I, not only do I enjoy being with you, Greg, and, and talking baseball, but Fenway Park. Uh, anything can happen on any day. We're talking 4 1 today. Tomorrow we might be talking 12 10. You never know. Yeah, you have 15 to 7 with a uh, five run outburst in the eighth, right? You never there know you what go. it's going to happen. I remember it well. I remember it well. <laughs> good stuff, Augie. Appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right. We'll see you tomorrow, Greg. Sounds good. Uh, it's Jerry Augustine, always outstanding insight from Augie. Yes, a place he played uh, many a game as a member of the Milwaukee Brewers back in the 70s and 80s. We'll hear from Brewers manager Craig Council coming up in just a couple of moments. Also, the highlights from tonight's game. It's all coming up on Brewers Extra Innings. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. 0-2 still on Adamas. Here's the pitch. Swing a ground ball left side through base hit. They're going to send Wong around. Verdugo's got it. Throw towards the plate. Tag. No catch from Poecki. Wong is safe. To third goes Yelich. To second, Adamas. 4-1 Brewers. Final run of the game scored in the ninth inning. Willie Adamas, three for five on the night. And we talked about putting the ball in play, just having a productive plate appearance. Adamas, three for five. That's what the box score says. Two of those hits were infield singles. Uh, and one was hit behind Christian Yelich that allowed him to advance a base without a throw. Uh, in fact, the throw came late to first base, which allowed Adamas to reach. So productive plate appearances for Adamas tonight. Christian Yelich, two for four, uh, including an RBI single. He continues to swing a hot stick, hitting two ninety six as a leadoff hitter. Uh, it's eight-game hitting streak now for Yelich. Not the home runs that we're used to seeing from back in his MVP days, but... Getting on base, and really that's what you want to see out of a leadoff hitter uh, with plenty of pop behind him. Speaking of productive at-bats, they were all over the Brewers' lineup, especially late in this game. It seemed like every run was just magnified because of the way the pitching was going along. It's how Craig Council begins his post-game comments, talking about at-bats from the likes of Victor Caratini, Adamas, and others. 
I mean, Vic had a nice at bat, really nice at bat to lead off the inning, and then Ty Rowan just had a, had a special at bat where he, he fouled off some really tough pitches, some good foul balls uh, with some with some really good pitches, and then I think he got a split finger a little bit up in the zone, and and you know after he had seen a bunch of them, was able to put a good swing on it. So that that was a great at bat, tough at bat, um, and. Um, you know, we got a, we got a, Willie had a nice at bat down two strikes too to to you know get a base hit. So a lot of lot of good stuff in that uh, you know last thing. There's a lot of two out stuff, a lot of two strike stuff, um, and kind of what you got to do on a night like tonight where you know they they were the pitching was really good the first five innings of the game. There was there was no we didn't hit a ball hard for five innings um, until until the LA let off the six with that double. So. Um, they, they pitched well those first five innings. Craig, how about uh, Yelly's at bat there after the double play? The drive in Tyrell and first pitch, 98 miles an hour, was able to. Yeah, away. yeah. I mean, he's he's swinging it good, and um, you know that was that was an important run. Obviously, we uh, they, they put one together against Woody with some two out stuff, and so to get the lead right back was was big there. We talked before that you said hitters make adjustments all the time. Often we don't see it, but when a guy does make a little adjustment to get payoff from it right away, is it? I mean, that's the way to go, right? If you want to stick with something. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you make an adjustment, you, you probably got to stick with it to to, to find out. Um, but uh, I mean, I I think Christian's been been swinging the bat really well and getting on base a ton and being a real. Effective leadoff hitter. But Woody tonight, really good. Yeah, I mean, he just he got caught in a groove there, and he's just throwing a ton of strikes, um, like quality strikes, um, getting swing and miss. Um, so it was a really good performance. And I and I thought Brad Boxberger did a heck of a job too. I mean, he comes into a tough situation, um, and he, and he, you know, you know, he made a good made some good pitches when he fell behind in the count to, to Bradley. All three of those guys, sort of high strep, a lot of high Yeah, stress. I mean, Devin had a good inning. He just he had some bad luck. Um, you know, he made great pitches to Verdugo and just had some bad luck. Did you, know, don't, did you notice the crowd tonight? Pretty pretty large Pro Brewers contingent. Yeah, I think I noted that before the game. Well, they're cheering. <laughs> yeah. Wow, pretty yeah. loud, though. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you anticipated after seeing the streets? Earlier today, like I mean, I like I mean, I thought they'd be loud because I thought they're happy that they're here and we're going to enjoy themselves. <laughs> yeah, that was audible. Uh, the TV broadcast, the radio broadcast, whatever you were listening to or watching, Brewers fans, uh, they have identified Boston as the place to take a road trip, and why not? Iconic park, great sports town, uh, just a fun city overall. Uh, Boston, very fun, very enjoyable, walkable, historic. Great place for a little family vacation right in the heart of summer here. So, yes, Brewers fans traveling to Boston. You will hear them tomorrow and I'm sure on Sunday as well. Got a quick note on the text line here, 855-616-1620, the Acadet Mortgage Talking Text Line. Talking a little about the trade deadline, which is on the horizon here, August the 2nd, the evening of. The Brewers are going to make a deal. In fact, I, I think they'll make multiple deals just historically speaking since they have been contenders with David Stearns pulling the trigger they have made multiple deals every year, and it's not just been one move. It's not just been Neil Walker. It's been paired with a couple of others. It's not just been Anthony Zwarzak or Joaquin Soria. It's been paired with others like Gio Gonzalez and Mike Moustakis. 
There were multiple moves last year, if you include Eduardo Escobar. Rowdy Teles was acquired in early July last season after Daniel Vogelbach had an injury. So I, David Stearns is, is always at this, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what sort of player or players he finds. But the nugget on the text line I think is interesting to discuss. Why would you need a center fielder when they've got Taylor? What we need is a third baseman. Really interesting text. We'll, we'll get to that uh, in more coming up before the end of the program. I love Tyrone Taylor. Uh, gritty at bat tonight. Seems like he's got a little bit of the clutch gene. Uh, he's going to give you everything he's got. He's all baseball. He plays hard. There's no question about that. I'm thankful he's healthy uh, first and foremost. He is back after uh, the concussion protocol. But he's still a bottom half of the lineup hitter. Tonight he was the nine hitter. And he's going to be in that seven, eight, nine sort of range. And it's sort of matchup dependent with him. I do like him. Don't get me wrong. Um, but yes, I was crying a little bit when Andrew Benatendi went to the Yankees. I-, I thought that would have been an ideal fit for the Milwaukee Brewers. Top half of the lineup, above 300, high quality outfielder, position versatile. You're still on the lookout. You cannot have enough depth, I don't believe, whether it's pitching, position player. And with the DH, I, I think it makes makes things a little bit more interesting. You've got more flexibility. Remember David Stearns, he defied logic. He had Travis Shaw at third base, but he slid him over to second to make room for Mike Moustakis. I think that overall worked out pretty well. We'll get to the highlights of tonight's game. How did it all go down? We'll have it for you after this. Ready for this? Get up! This? Get up! And this? Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Greg Matzik. Brandon Woodruff on the mound for the Brewers tonight. Austin Davis on the mound as the opener for the Red Sox. Kind of a bullpen day. Curious decision by the Red Sox. They've done this before with Davis, and it's worked out. Did tonight as well. Brewers' first hit of the game came in the first inning. However, things slowed down dramatically at that point. Strikeouts definitely a theme for both teams. Brandon Woodruff's first K of the game came in the second. And drove in 65, and that netted him a, a big deal with Boston. He's in his fifth year of that contract. 3-2. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. 97 right down the middle. First strikeout for Brandon Woodruff. Jeff Levering on the call. Woody would really hit his groove in the third, striking out the side. 2-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He got him with a four-seam fastball up in the zone. And he strikes out the side. 1-2-3 here in the bottom of the third. Now you heard Craig Council mention it. It remained 0-0 in the fifth. It was all about the pitching up until that point. Projected starter Brian Bale still on the mound, taking over for Davis after two and a third innings of work. Brewers threatened after back-to-back one-out walks to Victor Tarantini and Colton Wong. Scoring opportunity was lost moments later. 0-1 now. Taylor, ground ball. That could be two. Bogarts to second one. To first, it is two. A double play. And Bale is out of the jam. 6-4-3, it goes. And the Brewers finally broke through in the sixth. Christian Yelich led off with a double to left. Yelich moved to third on another infield single by Adamas, setting the stage for Andrew McCutcheon. Bale at the belt, here's his pitch. Swing and a chopper, up the third baseline. Yelich scores, throw to first is in time. McCutcheon drives in a run, it's one nothing Milwaukee on the ground ball to third base. Yeah, productive out for McCutcheon gave the Brewers the lead, but the Red Sox fought back in their half of the inning. After recording a pair of quick outs, his 12th and 13th in a row, Woodruff allowed his second hit of the game. Looking for another clean inning. Brandon Woodruff, Caratini sets up outside. 2-2 pitch. 
Liner to left center. That's going to get down for a base hit. Plug the gap. It's off the monster. Tyrone Taylor plays it in. Vasquez has a hit. It's a double. He is now two for three. And one batter later, the game was tied. Here it comes. And a fly ball towards left center. Back Yelich, still back at the track. It's off the monster. Throw goes into second base. There might be a play. It's not in time. Back-to-back -back doubles. And Boston has tied the game 1-1. Sounds like the ball crashed through a pane of glass, but I assure you that did not happen. Came out an 0-2 pitch. That was the frustrating part. A changeup from Woodruff caught a little too much of the zone. The inning would end, however, with Woodruff retiring Xander Bogarts. So back to work for the Brewers. Offense in the seventh against Bayo. Caratini reached on what was ruled an infield single. Colton Wong brought it into a double play on the very next pitch. But Tyrone Taylor kept the inning alive. Tyrone, a high fly ball, deep right center field. Long run back there for Duran. He looks up, and that is off the wall in the triangle. Tyrone going to run for days. He's around second. He's headed for third, and he's in there standing up with a triple for the crew. And that would be it for Bayo after a four and a third innings pitched out of the pen. Ryan Brazier summoned from the Red Sox bullpen. The first batter he faced was Christian Yelich. One for three tonight. And a line drive into left field. Base hit Christian Yelich. Brewers lead it two to one. Yelich drives in his 35th. And how about that for a little two-out rally for the crew? Yeah, first pitch he saw, 98-mile-per-hour fastball. Yelich put it into left field to give the Brewers the lead. Back to Brandon Woodruff to start the seventh inning. He would record an out before allowing a double and a walk on consecutive hitters. That's when Craig Council called for Brad Boxberger to get out of a jam, and he did. Two on, one out, down 3-1 in the count to Jackie Bradley Jr. Boxberger went to the changeup on back-to-back. -back Box pitches. looks back at second base. And the 3-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with another changeup. And that is a big second out here in the seventh inning. But the Brewers weren't out of the weeds just yet. The 0-1 pitch. Jammed him, a little flare to short, and it's cut by Willie Adamas. And the inning is over. Boxberger comes in, gets a strikeout, and a soft liner to Adamas, and the Brewers get out of the jam. Yeah, it stranded two inherited runners after Woodruff left the game. Another great job by Brad Boxberger in his two-thirds innings of work. Just eight pitches for Boxberger to get through it. Brewers went down quietly in their half of the eighth, leading the bottom of the inning to Devin Williams. Hasn't allowed a run since May 10th. A leadoff single paired with an infield single left Boston with two on and one out with a chance to take the lead. Then Williams struck out Xander Bogart before retiring J.D. Martinez. One to Martinez. Swing and ground ball is short. Adamas has it. Flips to Wong, inning over. Williams fired up as he heads to the third base dugout. He strands a pair of Red Sox. We go to the ninth inning. Make it 27 and two-thirds innings for Devin Williams without allowing an earned run. Just unbelievable. So we go to the ninth. The Brewers had an opportunity to add a little insurance. They would do so with one out. Victor Caratini on first. Colton Wong doubled off the green monster and left. Caratini moved to third and would score on a sack fly by Tyrone Taylor. Willie Adamas rounded out the four. Two still on Adamas. Here's the pitch. Swing a ground ball left side through base hit. They're going to send Wong around. Verdugo's got it. Throw towards the plate. Tag. No catch from Ploiecki. Wong is safe. To third goes Yelich. To second, Adamas. 4-1 Brewers. Plenty of room for Josh Hader, who took over for Williams. 
Hader did go 3-0 to the first three batters he faced, but he did fight back to sandwich strikeouts around a line drive single off the wall. Hader completed the strikeout trifecta to end the game. One and two on Sanchez. Hader ready to do it again. Here's the stretch in the pitch. Struck him out looking ball game over. Brewers take game one here at Fenway by a final of 4-1. to one. Four runs, eight hits, no errors for the Brewers. One run, seven hits, one error for the Red Sox. Brandon Woodruff picks up the win. Josh Hader, the save, is 29th of the season. Milwaukee improves to 56-44 and 44 with the win. The Red Sox fall to 50-51. and 51. No ringing the bell on another home run for the Brewers tonight, but even when it's not red kettle season, you can still help the Salvation Army step up to the plate with love beyond the bases this season. Donate now and ring the bell at SalvationArmy.org. We will wrap up the program with some final thoughts, preview tomorrow's matchup from Fenway after this on WTMJ. This is Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ. Wrapping up the program following a 4-1 win. Brewers take down the Boston Red Sox from Fenway Park. Game 2 of the series tomorrow afternoon. It'll be Aaron Ashby on the mound for the crew. Josh Winkowski goes for Boston. 2.35, our network coverage begins here on WTMJ. First pitch just after 3. Uh, Justin Garcia is going to be in for the program tomorrow. So hang out with Justin for about an hour following the game. I'll be back on Sunday for Brewers warm-up and Brewers extra innings as uh, we continue to move through what's become a very entertaining season here for the Milwaukee Brewers. And a, a nice stretch here post-All-Star break. You win the games at home against you know, a team you probably should beat three out of four in Colorado. Well, it's never easy. They're able to get that done. Then you take care of the Minnesota Twins in two highly entertaining games at American Family Field. Then you go off on the road here for a six-game trip to Boston and Pittsburgh with an opportunity to really build on what you started following the All-Star break. So a refreshed and energized Brewers team has now won six of seven since the Midsummer Classic. 56-44, and 44, clear of the Cardinals by three games in the NL Central. Cardinals were able to pull off a victory earlier this evening. We are out of time in tonight's program. I want to thank Jerry Augustine for joining us. He'll be back again tomorrow. Thank you, callers, texters, everybody who chimed in. And thanks to Evan Metallison, our illustrious producer. I'm Greg Matzik saying enjoy the rest of your night. This has been Brewers Extra Innings on WTMJ.